This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. This is the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. On today's show, our guest is author, motivational speaker, and producer Maximus Wright. We'll talk to him about his book and new movie, Soul Damage. Also, Michelle and I will talk about This Week in Mississippi. Hey, to be part of the show, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be right back after the news. Listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, on a very warm and muggy and uh, uh, Monday. Very warm out there. I will say this. Did my boot camp this morning. I think it was 80 degrees. Oh, my gosh. It was like being under a tongue. It was really warm. But you know what? You were in luck today because we have a cool show ahead of you. A very cool show because we have a very cool guest. I'm very excited. He's back on the show. He's very talented. He's an author. He's a producer. He's a guy who makes things happen. Maximus Wright is here in the studio. It's good to see him again. And, of course, Michelle is on the other side of the glass. Hello. Hi there. How are you, my friend? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? Oh, my gosh. I could lay down the floor and take a nap right now. It's Monday morning blues. (laughs) Monday morning blues. I'm starting to try to look at Mondays as not a bluesy type deal, just like another beginning. Oh, I love Mondays. I'm tired. That's all. I am, too. But, I mean, you know how the way most people think of Mondays, oh, my God, a new week. I try to change my thinking now. And say, oh my God, a new week. You know, like I'm well, happy about it. Let me put in perspective it. for you. Why hate one seventh of your life? <laughs> no, exactly. There you, there you go. So there, uh, that's all the motivational speaking you will need for the whole week. <laughs> Speaking there of motivational speaking, yeah, Maximus is here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have him back on again. Of course, the movie Soul Damage has been out. It's in every form possible. I'm surprised in graphic novels. He's probably working <laughs> on that as well. My name is Lola's new book out too, yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's pretty exciting too. So we'll. I mean, we can bring him up at any time because he's just, he's 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 a man of many opinions. <laughs> so, and you had a big weekend. Obviously, you were in a water park. Oh no, actually, oh, no. I I wrote that down because I want to talk about. It. I'm going to. Oh, you're going to a water park, right? And I hear it's wet, so be careful. Bring a towel. <laughs> and we have three wonderful uh, water parks in Mississippi. And again, piggybacking off of our membership drive, mm-hmm. uh, we had Friday. Thanks again to everyone that called in and became new members. Yeah, I believe. I think we ended with 106, I believe, Jason, 106 new members or that was wonderful. We raised a lot of money in one day. So I want to, again, thank everyone who called in. And thank you for supporting quality public broadcast. Exactly. But the reason why I brought that up was Mississippi, you do not have to go out of the state of Mississippi to have a great vacation. I talked about this Friday. You can do a romantic getaway. You can do a family getaway. You can do a girls weekend trip right here in the state of Mississippi. So if you're looking for something to do this summer with your family and friends or just like take your kids somewhere, you don't have to go out of the state. We have Geyser Falls, Collins Water Park, and of course, we have the wonderful one in the coast, um, Gulf Valley um, Water Park in um, the coast. I mean, it is wonderful. Well, and I, 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 I just tell, you tell what people, would not be wonderful. What? You know, would not be no wonderful. What? If I took a girl's weekend trip, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think you would never find my body again. Uh, girl's weekend with uh, Marshall Ramsey. Yeah, that would not work out very <laughs> well. I don't, I don't think the lovely Ms. Ramsey would like that too much. So um, uh, what about you? Did you write any new cartoons or do anything well, I, this weekend? Yeah, I always do that sort of thing. <laughs> um, I am very happy, though, for our good friend Angie Thomas. Yeah, oh, my God. Her, her trailer is out now. And it's so amazing because I'm sitting there watching the trailer for, of course, The Hate You Give. And I'm watching it and it's like, dang, this looks just like how I imagined it in my head while I was reading the book. So, and that's a I'm good excited. thing. I know. I was ju- Well, the MTV Awards um, Common came out. This was earlier last week. MTV still has awards? Yes, they do. MTV they Movie Awards. They don't play, yeah, because they don't play music. <laughs> and 
they said, mm. Common, let's bring out Common. He's currently finishing up post-production on the movie, The Hate You Give. And I screamed. And my daughter was like, what? And I told her why I was screaming. And that was earlier this week. Then on yesterday, of course, the BET Awards, uh, when Regina Hall and the uh, lead character came out and they announced. Um, I would imagine it'd be quite shocking if you screamed. Oh. I, I think I probably would jump out of my seat to say the least. Oh, no, I don't do a lot of screaming. But okay, just um, it was a great moment for Mississippi and just showing the trailer and just seeing that come together. And I know we're going to talk a little bit of that with uh, Maximus, but your words in a book, then you, I mean, it was in your mind at first, then it's in a book. You get the book, your eye, ah, Oprah calls you, it's a great thing. And now a motion picture. Amazing. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, two things. Number one, I mean, just incredible hustle on her part. Mm-hmm. She has worked so incredibly hard to get to the point where she is, and I don't think anybody should ever forget that. But I think the fact that she saw an issue that was on the radar that mm-hmm. nobody else had was really talking about mm-hmm. or understanding and sat down and wrote a book about mm-hmm. it before it actually became right. part of the national conversation. Right. I mean, that really requires a lot of and at her age. You think about that. You know, the age she is, she's not a you know, 40, well, you know, 50. She, no, she's living it, mm-hmm. though. I mean, it's like Maximus and I were just talking about. I mean, my kids will come up to me and, and they start are very concerned about everything from school shootings to yeah. everything else because they're living it. They're right in the middle of it. And Angie's been in the middle of right. it her whole life uh, talking about you know, these issues. So this was something that was on her heart. And so it didn't take her just having to read a headline. She had been living it, and she sat down and wrote about it. And, I mean, every bit of success that she has had is more than well-deserved. I'm so happy for her. And I'm praying that we—she said she's going to work on it. Last time she was here on the show, we're going to try to get a premiere here at uh, either Malco or Alamo. would be nice, but, of course, probably be at Malco. A grand um, opening premiere of the movie here. That would be wonderful. Well, that wouldn't wouldn't be— terrible no it would be quite nice to have that here so it'd be good hey a while back we had a guy named on james scott he's a historian i'm reading his new book his last book that we talked about on the air was called target tokyo it's about the Doolittle raid world war ii history okay it was a pulitzer finalist that book was so i mean he is really at the top of his game he's got a new book out called rampage i bet that's what i read over the weekend and it's about the battle of manila in the philippines and i didn't know much about it and it was absolutely one of the roughest battles of any World War II battle. And I was just reading it. But I just love when people on the show succeed on that. And, of course, our next guest are today, Maximus Wright, who's back on here. Maximus, you've been succeeding, haven't you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, he's been succeeding. There you go. So. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, basically when I was doing all this, I thought my mother was going to be on the person that read it. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm well, that's how it works. You know, I'm on the Marshall Ramsey. So, so this is what well, you've obviously hit the top. I mean, there's it's, there's nowhere to go but down from here. So, so nice, nice to go. But uh, I yeah, I have congratulations. You gosh, it seems like. But I mean, we're talking about Angie. I mean, she literally it, it but, you know, it doesn't it's not always that easy sometimes. You know, you, you sit there and you throw things out there and you throw things out there and it doesn't catch. She just happened to catch it right at the top of the wave. Well, I think what it is is um, I'm working with a lot of authors now yeah. that want to be authors, and right. I tell them that the motive has to be right. Right. You know, if you're not, if you don't have the right motive, you're not going. Anywhere. You're not going to write a book thinking I'm going to make a million dollars and it's not going to sell. And some people are called to write something. I think right. this young lady was called to this. I think so too. You know, you know, basically, it was a problem that no one was talking about. So obviously, she wasn't talking about it to get on the bandwagon. Right. She wrote it because it really troubled her. Right. So she was doing this from a place, from a pure place, from a heart. The national narrative just happened to catch because she obeyed that still small voice. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, the thing about it, and here I'm coming from it. Uh, this was an issue that, <clears throat> you know, yeah, I'd seen it in the news, but maybe I didn't understand it or because I'd grown up in a different part of the uh, the universe or whatever. But the way she wrote it was, I mean, by the end of it, I had so much empathy mm-hmm. because it was it was like I completely understood. I mean, it, it was just, it's just how well she wrote it. I mean, but isn't that the whole point about communication? I think that's where the problem is. No, but we don't do that these days. No, we don't. We don't. don't. We sit there and yell at each other. Oh, wait for our time to say our point. What'd you say? I was thinking about what I was going to (laughs) say. But that's the thing. You're sitting there. You don't listen because you're thinking about (laughs) what you're going to say back. Right. But I think when you write from a way that's inclusive. Yeah. And I think that's the problem that we have in communicating. I'm trying to understand your point. I had a professor in college, Dick Johnson, that even though my values were Christian, he would always make me argue the point of an atheist. Yeah. 
And that was difficult. That's hard. It's like writing with your left hand. If you're right-handed. But once you do it, it yeah. strengthens what you believe. Right. But it also opens your mind to understand someone from a different standpoint. I mean, I had the same thing. I had a history professor who was an honest-to-God communist. <clears throat> I mean, he was a cliche, you know, because college professors are, he was a communist. And I mean, he and I did not agree on anything, but he didn't care. He just wanted me to make my point. You know, he wasn't trying to turn me into a communist. He was trying to turn me into the best Marshall Ramsey possible. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's what my professor did. And I think we, I don't think we pay enough homage to great teachers. I agree. You know, our teachers pretty much change our whole worldview, but. Their real job is to, when we start talking about education, is to pull out what's in you. That's what educare, the Latin phrase, means, to draw out. I, I wrote my column in the Clarion Ledger last week about one of those professors, Dr. Faye Julian. She was my speech teacher, and it was a senior year. And you know how senior year is. You're just like, okay, I'm just ready to get out, and I'm ready to get in the real world. So I took a speech class. Right. First test. She put it down in front of me. I got a 95. Saw that big red ink. I was like, yes, 95. <laughs> and you know what? She looked at me right in the eye and said, you can do better than that. You know, you know my, what? I did. Because my, my professor. Yeah. I wrote a paper. He gave me a D. Really? And I said, Doc, my paper is better than anyone else in the class. And he said, you're right, but it's not the best you can do. Yeah. We need more people like that we in do. this world. We really do. Uh, because honestly, um, we got tough times. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take rising up to them instead of just getting on social media and complaining about it. But, you know, a lot of people complain about the tough times. I'm excited about that. It's opportunity. Yeah. Because every exactly. time, you know, this country has is been pressed to the wall, that's when the greatness rose. And I think that's something that um, you really need to – like, I'm trying to beat that into my kids mm-hmm. because it's like – because when I was a kid, I mean, we all, my sisters did really well. I was kind of living in their shadow. And it was like, well, you know, how dare you fail? But to me, and I know I'm not encouraging failure, but I think really honestly, it's okay if you do, if you learn from it. Mm-hmm. And that's really honest the only way you grow. Well, I, I'm a little different. I actually encourage failure. Yeah. And the reason I encourage failure is because failure to me is that best friend. That means you've been trying. They're never going to lie to you. Right. You know, failure is going to tell you the truth no matter what. And right. if you listen, like you said, if yeah. you listen, you won't have to ever repeat those mistakes again. See, we're already off to a great start. Yeah. Maximus Wright is right. in the house. We're gonna, uh, his brand new book is My Name is Lola. Of course, Soul Damage too, which is an incredibly powerful story. But really, honestly, it's going to be probably the most motivational hour that we've had in at least a week. So it's going to be a great show as well. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, with incredibly cool bumper music today for some reason. Kind of a chill. On a very hot day, nice, soothing. Nice. Very good. Well done, Michelle. Our guest today is a very talented guy. I I tell you what, um, you know, there's a a short list of people I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) This guy's probably one of them. (laughs) Author and producer, Maximus Wright. Maximus, to be honest with you, I usually am glowing to the guests, but this one I really mean. Oh, wow, really? No, no, really. Yeah, no, because, I, you know, here, and I look at my career, um, you know, I grew up, my dream job was to be a cartoonist. And guess what? There ain't many cartooning jobs anymore in this world, but it means that uh, there's some challenges out there because newspaper business has changed, but it also mm-hmm. means that means more opportunities for right. me. So I've branched into different things, and I love the way that you have taken your career and you look around and you see an opportunity and you jump at it. If it doesn't work, guess what? You're not married to it. You're going to try something else different. Right. So, right. Which is, but just, you know, I would love to see you get into animations, but maybe that's my film thing. That would be fun. I would love to see you get into animations. That really would. Maybe it's something we need to talk about. Yeah, we do. 
Yeah, my people talk to your yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, get we'll schedule something. I need to I need to get some people though. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody once asked me, you know, my, my cousin Dave is like he does all his financial stuff, his radio show, he's re, you know, he's doing quite well, has money. Wait a your cousin Dave Ramsey? Yeah, believe it. I didn't know this. Yeah, believe it or not, our dads were brothers. Wow. Yeah. So we're first cousins. So wow. Yeah, Dave got the uh money and I got the hair. That's how it worked <laughs> out in the family on that. Dave's good people though. I really like him. He's eight years older than me, always been kind of like a big brother, but Somebody once said, oh, were you jealous of him? I said, mm. yeah, he's got like an assistant. <laughs> That's what you're jealous of. <laughs> the rest of the stuff I don't need. It just has somebody to keep my schedule for me. But I, I guess probably a good way to start this interview, since we've already started it, would be from the beginning. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you were a kid, did you say, oh, you know what, I'm going to become a mogul? You know, I tell people this all the time. Mogul? <laughs> okay. I like I, that. Well, I mean, I was trying to think about a nice term. Really? Well, I guess mogul's okay. Well, I'm going to have to go back and tell my wife, say, look, I was called a mogul today. Can you believe that? Yeah, really. <laughs> I need a pay raise. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I go take this trash out. All right, but. Yeah, um, well, welcome to yeah, 25 years into marriage. I, I understand that. When I was growing up, if someone told me, what do you think you're going to grow up? These are your choices. You could either be an astronaut, you can be a writer. Or you could be a ninja. What are you going to be? And I said, it looks like I'm going to be a ninja because I love Bruce Lee. Yeah. that's. I had no clue that this was even possible to write and to create films or bring what I wrote to life. I never thought in a million years this is what I'd be doing. Well, you know what Bruce Lee said, that, that you know, a warrior is somebody with, is an average person with incredible focus. Hey, that's why I like Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah, so I think you were on to something pretty early on. I wanted to be an astronaut, too, but I didn't like Tang. Really? Yeah. I love Tang. Well, see, I couldn't drink orange juice, so they made me drink Tang. So I was like, it was never, never really It good. was really bitter, but I, I really enjoyed Now, I liked eating the powder. You ate the powder? It was, it was like sugar. It was great. Really? Yeah. I don't see how you didn't choke off that. It was, I mean, it was incredibly concentrated. It was very tart. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Wow. See, now, now that you know too much about me... <laughs> So you're a kid, you want to be a ninja? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I had a better chance of becoming a ninja than writing because my teachers in school told me, like... You that know, you couldn't write? Yeah, yeah. They Well, they said your grammar is horrible. Yeah. Well, ain't that... Yeah, yeah. ain't that something. Ain't that something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how many times have you... I mean, because I, I think about teachers who told me I couldn't write. Really? Yeah, and um, but you didn't listen to them, obviously. Well, I was just trying to pass the class. Okay. You know, uh, this is I, in Yazoo City. This is in Yazoo City. Right. Um, and actually, I bumped into one of my teachers that told me I couldn't write door to Sunday at church. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> she said, You need to find her on Facebook. I said, uh, We'll see. <laughs> I am. I am. She was a great teacher, though. She was hard on me, but she prepared me for college. Right. But once I got to college, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Okay. So that's why I started taking a lot of English courses because, you know, a lot of writing. Right. A lot of writing. Lawyer. So, um, that didn't pan out that it was something else meant. And this is it. I think I finally found what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, one of the things you're, you're supposed to be doing, you are a father of four. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, proud father of four. Boys, girls, two boys, two girls. You see, you pulled that off. Oh, I just yeah. have all boys. Well, really? Yeah. I mean, my poor wife wanted a girl so bad. We ended up getting a girl dog. Now, let me, now, let me tell you, I love my daughters, yes. but man, they changed the game. They Everything that you was going to do with the boys, the girls come along, they change everything. But I had a girl first, so she okay. kind of spoiled it for yeah. everything. You know, she just, you know, you can't say no. Well, she's kind of, she's the one that wanted to be the actress. Right? She was. Yeah. She was. And it kind of got you into the film world. It, it did. Uh, we were taking her to the Disney things, you know, letting her try because yeah. she said, Dad, I'm, I, for me to be an actress, I'm going to have to leave Mississippi. And I'm like, oh, no, we got to do something about this. Right. Yeah. And, I, and so I said, well, look, let's go to this Disney thing. She said, let's go. And I was... She asked, actually wanted to go. I was apprehensive about it because I thought it was a ripoff. Yeah. And it was. It was. <laughs> I mean, I, if you're out there, just let me let you know, hey, yeah. they're going to take your money and they're going to give you a good show in two days. Right. And that's it. And it's not going to go anywhere. No, not really. But, you know, you just touched on something. I think you and I both have this concern because, I mean, at the end of the day, I'd actually like my wife to enjoy her grandchildren being here in the state. Mm-hmm. And you're very passionate about oh, creating absolutely. opportunity here in Mississippi. Absolutely. Well, because I've traveled. Right. And I found out that, for lack of better words, they're not better than us. That's right. They're not. And you go to different places, and then they ask you all these stupid questions like, do you still have indoor plumbing? Right. You know, how's race relationships in Mississippi? You know, uh, are y'all safe there? I'm like, have you been paying attention to the news where the biggest crimes have been happening? Right. So... Yeah, we have race relationships just like everyone else, but it's not as bad 
as they try to deem it towards us. And that's the problem I have. So my, I don't hear anyone saying, Hey, I want to go retire in New York. Right. People are always coming here to retire. So I'm like, and we have the greatest pool of talent in the world. It's just untapped. It's unpolished. It's unproven, but it's there. And if we realize that we have power and realize our own independence, if we collectively come together, we can change the game. When you start thinking about the greatest talents that have changed the world in entertainment, education, you have to go through Mississippi. And that's still in our soul. You know, technology, and you think about the last even 10 years, mm-hmm. or since 2005, the technology now allows us to do things here in Mississippi that you used to have to go somewhere else right. to do. And right. that's the game changer. Yes, yes. So now it's the mentality. How do we change right. the exactly. mentality right. and, and the leadership that is necessary to move this into the 21st century as it should? I, I did a children's book called Banjo's Dream, and my whole point of that book was we have the most talented per capita children in this state of yes. any place I've ever been, but we don't have the belief that we can do great things. Now, that's it. And I struggled. I was trying to convince people over and over, convince people. That's not how you do it. Right. You have to do like the young lady with this, uh, the book that just came out of turn into movie. You got to go do it. Right. And when you do it, then they'll believe what you have to say. And that's my thing about like self-help books. Yeah. Self-help books are great. But mm-hmm. I mean, self-do books would be better. Right. Or better yet, self-doing, period. Right. And yeah. then sometimes folk fall in, in love with reading the self-help books and, you know, they get addicted to the process yeah. of yeah. reading the book as opposed to doing Right. They're just getting knowledge, but the difference between ins- inf- uh, information and inspiration is the game changer. Right. They're not inspired. What I mean, you were at Tougaloo. Um, <clears throat> what did that bring to the game? Oh, man, Tougaloo, um, other than they taught that you have to be twice as good to get half the credit. And That's that important. Was, I mean, no, that's important. Yeah, and it was an expectation yeah. that you were supposed to be the best. Yeah. They if they did not drive anything else into your mind, they drove into your mind that if you are a Tougalooan, you are supposed to be the best. And they would not let up on it. I had great teachers, man. You know, Dr. Jerry Ward, who is pretty much the, the foremost um, authority on Richard Wright. You cannot yeah. talk about Richard Wright anywhere in the world. And Dr. Jerry Ward's name, not come up. He's committed his life yeah. to Richard Wright. So, you know, these teachers who demanded, excellence out of you and every time you reach excellence would now kick your legs away from under you and say be humble <laughs> right <laughs> and that that was what Tougaloo College did but you know what that's life yes that is life because just when you start thinking you made it guess what life's gonna kick your legs out they're gonna kick you right in the teeth man. it'll make you be really humble right so that's what Tougaloo did for me they introduced me to life early you when you got out of college what was the first job oh man first job out of college I was um I was working for Bell South Mobility. Really? Yeah. I worked in the cell phone industry. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That, that, was that back when cell phones looked like the G.I. Joe calling the airstrike? They were just coming out of that. They still had yeah. bag phones, though. But yeah. we were just starting to move into the Motorola StarTech and oh, yeah. Nokia and the uh, the NEC, which was like the smaller version of that big block phone. Yeah. yeah. I so, think yeah. I've got one of those still. That's kind of funny. We used it to keep the door propped up. <laughs> But it had the best reception. It really did. It had better reception than the phones we have. And they worked. Yeah, it was it was rock solid. Right. You knew it was going to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no matter where you went, you did not drop a call. No. And if you, if you dropped the phone, it didn't matter. <laughs> right. <laughs> it might break your foot, but it wasn't going to break the phone. It wasn't going to break the phone. No, no Apple care for that. Yeah. You were mentored by by Les Brown. Yeah. 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 Tell us a little bit. He's a motivational speaker. I'm incredible man. <clears throat> Les, man. Les is a man. Very super guy, man. How did you get mentored by Les Brown? Interesting. I was at Tougaloo and yeah. uh, my mom got sick. So I had to leave. I had to leave college to go back home and help take care of my family. And it didn't look like I was going to be able to go back to college. So um, someone sent me these tapes about this guy and um, and he was talking about being raised by a single mother. I had no idea who Les Brown was, but his words resonated with me. So there was a number on the back and I called and said, how can I meet this guy? You know, I would like to meet him. And uh, still have no concept that Les Brown is famous and that right. he's world-renowned. So they say, well, he, we have a conference that's happening in Chicago for speakers. Maybe if you come to the conference, you'll get a chance to meet him. So I didn't have any money, so I went and got sponsorships. <laughs> I'm hustling way back then. <coughs> went and got sponsorships, and I went to his conference, and little did I know this guy was famous. And there were a room of 
about a hundred people there that was coming to speak and I was the youngest one there. So I went to his manager and they said, I would love to meet Les Brown and, and, you know, him mentoring me. and his manager looked at me and said, Oh, that's impossible. And walked off. Really? Didn't, and I have a feeling you didn't just leave it there. No, he didn't know much about Yazoo city. Yeah. And when he said that it clicked that flame on like, Oh, now I got to meet him. So we had these, uh, these tables that we had to win speaking. We had to win from the table and then compete against everyone else. So I got in the finals. Really? I tied for first. What'd you talk about? It was called picking up the pieces. You know, how much pieces did I have at 19? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was the thing. The Lori who won talked about how she overcame her mother's death. And yeah. Les had just lost his mother that month. Yeah. So I lost which was best because I w- you've been able to tell me nothing. I wouldn't be on the Marshall Ramsey show right now. I've been too arrogant. But he came to me. He said, I want to make you rich. Really? Yes. When somebody like Les Brown walks up to you and says, I want to make you rich, mm-hmm. you say, yes, sir. Yeah, you do. You do. And I guess the question is, well, well Max, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> That's the next question. You had kids. <laughs> well, <laughs> not yet. Not no, yet. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was during the time where you we didn't have long distance for free. Right. So he would say, I want you to call me every day. So I would have to call the famous Sue and find out where he was in the world and call him in his hotel. And he would keep me on the phone for hours. Oh, my gosh. No wonder you're not rich. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, when my reach mom out and touch the, someone. My yeah. mom got the bill. She was like, what are you doing? So I was like, look, man, show me how to be a motivational speaker. And he was like, no, he, he just he wanted me to be close to him. Yeah, but I really wanted to learn how to be a motivational speaker because I'm thinking, how am I going to take care of my mom? Right, all these things. So I I stopped calling him, and I went back to college. You tell mom, say, hey, look, you know, you know, the the winner of this thing, you know, the mom died. <laughs> right, so right. at least you're still here. This is right. going to be okay. And plus, she was a lawyer, so she could afford it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So um, he reached out to me a few times, and he was like, "Man, why did you call me?" He said, "You worry me." But yeah. literally, I think I think the universe just shifted me there to remind him of something. Yeah. I don't think it had anything to do with me, seriously, because he had gotten to a place in his life that he had accomplished some things and he he had kind of gotten comfortable. Gotten comfortable. So here you go. Little black kid coming from Yazoo City. Now, what makes Yazoo City so significant to Les Brown? Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar. Yep. So now it says, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you could be replaced. That's strong. Yeah. Strong. We're going to continue this conversation with motivational speaker, producer, uh, entrepreneur Maximus Wright, and talk about his book, new book. Gosh, it's, I can't wait to read My Name is Lola. That's the new one. And of course, Soul Damage as well. Don't go anywhere. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Look, if you're just joining us, today our guest is author, motivational speaker, and producer, and dad, Maximus Wright. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad you're here. Really, honestly, we need to get you back more often than we do. Man, listen, I you know I'm looking for uh, I'm looking to kind of become somebody's good sidekick, man. Maybe I can come be your sidekick. Yeah, it would be, it would be great. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with you as well. I, you know, you we were talking a little bit about how you were mentored by Les Brown, mm-hmm. and you know you were going around being a motivational speaker. Yeah, and you were 19. Yeah. Um, what kind of advice would you give when you're 19, and what kind of advice would you give a 19 year old you now? Oh wow, that's a good question. Uh. The problem I had was the way the motivational circuit was made then 
was pretty much if you got a good speech and you memorized it, yeah, you pretty much get that same speech. Yeah, I wasn't wired that way, so um, I primarily didn't feel that I was being authentic. Yeah, so that was the problem that I had. Um, but you know what I would speak to my nineteen-year-old self was, you know, was to be more patient. You know, be more patient. You know, don't be so offended about what did or did not happen. Right. You know, and just stay the course. And you know, your opportunities are gone. Patience is a hard thing when you're 19. Oh, yeah. It's a hard thing now. <laughs> I'm about to say, I'm 50. It's, I have none whatsoever. Talk about the most inspiring thing you've ever encountered. The most inspiring... <clears throat> person. It can be person or thing or whatever. The most inspiring thing and probably the most humbling thing that happened was last year. I was um, I was had my first book signing. And there was a little girl who was about nine years old who came up to me and said that I take your quotes... And I use it to help me wow. as I'm being bullied. And she had been, um, she had been placed in the system, you know, she had been mm-hmm. adopted and just some of the things that she's had to overcome. And for this nine year old to say your words back to you at a moment, <laughs> and I'm, I'm choking up now Yeah, at a moment when you really needed to hear them, right? That, you know, that's when you say, okay, this is not about money. This is not about trying to make a name for yourself. There's a real mission behind what you're doing. I, I think you touched on it earlier in the show. You, you'd mentioned that <clears throat> you know people sit down and try to write a book to make money mm-hmm. are going to fail every time. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you remember like what you're doing, that you can actually change things and change people and change hearts and do things. Obviously, you are shooting to use your talent for something bigger than yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about this because I have an appointment with someone after I leave here about writing. Yeah. And this is what I was thinking about driving here. I think to write it, you have to be selfish and selfless at the same time. Right. Uh, And what I mean about it, Steven Spielberg was talking about him making movies and all his movies were about issues he struggled with as a child. You know, he said that's why he doesn't go to a therapist because he's afraid that he'll lose the magic. So, it's, so he was abducted by aliens and eaten by a shark. Okay. <laughs> he was not, I think those were the places he escaped to. I, I think that may have been metaphors. <laughs> I really did. But the issues like with his dad, man. Yeah. You know, like in encounters of the third uh encounters of the third kind when yeah. his dad was in, the dad was crying and he started the boy was slamming the door saying, Cry baby, cry baby, cry baby. He actually did that to his dad. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. He was upset with his dad as a child. Yeah. So, and his dad was a war veteran. Yeah. So Lord knows what kind of PTSD and everything else he had to deal with. And but the interesting interesting thing was he was mad at his dad because his dad was keeping secrets about his mom. And wow. he took the blame. That was powerful. Yeah. So so yeah, so you have to be selfish because you're writing from a very personal place or maybe a personal pain that you don't want to deal with, but it's for the good of those who are gonna read it who yeah. don't have to feel like they're the only ones who've gone through what they've gone through. That's huge. That's And I think that's the middle ground you got to find to have the motivation to write through the pain and the overwhelming satisfaction of once it helps someone. I did a book of short stories called Fried Chicken and Wine, and, and a lot of the stories were basically some stuff I was going through, and I just changed the names and changed the scenarios. And I had people coming up to me, this, how did you know about my life? Right. And so which... You know, and of course, soul damage is so powerful to me because how many people do we walk around every day that look like they're 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 on top of their game, they're awesome, they're comfortable, their life's great, and they're walking around with with, with pain. Right, right. And I, I think I think that's what we don't get. You know, yeah. when we start looking at the greater narrative of this country and where this country is right now, I think we forget we're all human. Right. And that we all fundamentally want the same thing and we all fundamentally suffer from the same thing. And I think that's what we've lost, and that's why we can't connect. It, it, you know, it's it's so, I say funny, but it's not hilarious funny. But here I'm holding up my phone in my hand. We've got this wonderful way to everybody has a platform. Everybody can be connected. I mean, I'm sitting there this morning talking to the probably the premier Hamilton expert that teaches at Yale. I'm talking with an author of a book that I'm reading. I mean, we have this great connection and yet we can't carry on a conversation. Oh yeah. We've, we've got all this social media, you know, that's supposed to improve communication and it's made us, we, we, we are less able to communicate right. at yeah. this point. I mean, you sit at the table with your family and you're sitting there looking at, everybody's looking at their phones. Yeah. It's all antisocial. It's supposed to be social media, but definitely. Yeah. 
Talk about soul damage. I mean, because it's been in every different form whatsoever. Uh, at this point, I was joking about the graphic novel, but that's on, that's coming up next. But I mean, how did it begin? How did the story begin? How did you decide? You know, uh, this is going to be a book. This is going to be a play. This is going to be a, a movie. I mean, talk about that process. I think um, I think I was just writing it to try to re- to alleviate some guilt. Really? Yeah. You? Yeah, me. Yeah. No. I was I was writing to alleviate some guilt. And um, and it just kept flowing and it kept flowing and kept flowing. Yeah. And then we was like, okay, this is a book. Yeah. No, this is a film because I I didn't think I could write a book. Really? So I actually wrote the film script. Did you first. hear that voice in your head? Oh, my grammar's bad or whatever. <laughs> I mean, seriously, when I write, sometimes I hear the voices. Oh, of you, the, yeah. The teachers that told me. Oh, I, I saw the faces. Everything. Yeah. I saw every every time I wrote a paper. I didn't see the good ones. I saw the ones that was marked up with red, like, what are you going? What does this mean? But not to be hokey, and, and I've experienced this writing. I mean, drawing is different. Painting is different. But I've had stories literally where I almost get lost in it, and it's like it's coming from somewhere else. That's totally what's happened. Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm trying to push with people. Um, it's a great movie called Finding Forrester. Yeah. By okay. Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, he was, he was, uh, he was uh, I think the boy's name is Rob, uh, Rob Brown. Rob Brown is the the guy who played basketball, right. who was a writer. He said, you write the first draft with your heart, then you edit, you write the second draft with your head. Yeah. And the, one of the biggest problems that writers are coming across is they're trying to write the first draft with their head, so they're editing, they're editing forever. Right. Your job is just to get it out, right. and then you come back. And then and an edit. editor comes and cuts your head off oh, and, yeah. and then pulls out your heart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what an editor But you, you, you got to get it out, but... Yeah. Absolutely, Soul Damage, My Name is Lola. I I almost not want to put my name to it because it wrote itself. Yeah. You know, I was just along for the ride. Talk, talk about My Name is Lola. How did that come about? Well, um, My Name is Lola actually came came to come to be because of a bad critique of Soul Damage. Really? Yeah. Uh, someone read Soul Damage, and I did not like the way they interpreted Lola, which is Sirius's mother in yeah. Soul Damage. And it bothered me the way they saw her as being so conniving. They saw her as being problematic to the cause. And I saw her as a victim. Yeah. So I just say, let me see if the words will come. And I just wrote a paragraph. And when I wrote the paragraph, I was like, okay, let's keep writing. And uh, this is the backstory in the prequel to Soul Damage that tells her backstory and how Sirius got formed and how he got these little nuances about who he is as a person. Yeah, remind remind folks a little bit about how Sirius turned out. Because it really, the, I mean, it, there's so much. A lot of people are walking around as adults and they don't mm-hmm. understand that stuff that happened to them as a child. Right, right. Is what's, it's kind of, they're on like an autopilot and they don't understand that. Yeah, it's, I didn't know I was stepping into the world of trauma at the yeah. time, but Sirius deals with a lot of trauma. Yeah. But he masked it through his intelligence and his charisma. Yeah. So charisma and his 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 swagger is actually his mask. Yeah, that's his facade. That's his facade. And yeah. he is such a student of people that he learns to give people what they want, learns how to always be evasive, you know, elusive, and tries to always get people to talk about themselves. But he's hiding, but he's gaining information about them. Because in my opinion, a lot of times, if you want to really entertain someone, get them to talk about themselves. That's true. You know, that's the number one thing people like to talk about. Yes. They really do. Yes. That's what I love about this show. Yeah. I get people to talk about themselves. But it's a great tool to deflect if you don't want to talk about you. That's a good point. And that's what Sirius does. And that's yeah. what he's a master of. Yeah. You, like you said, you saw this as a movie first, mm-hmm. but then you're thinking, well, how am I going to turn this into a movie? Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I we were talking about this earlier when we were talking about the hate you give. Yeah. You know, we were saying that I believe she was called to write this. Right. You know, I think certain projects choose you. You know, you try to choose projects, but there are some projects that choose you. And I think that one chose her. And I know that Soul Damage chose me. Yeah. I was just trying to go to sleep at night because I couldn't go to sleep because I'm hearing the conversations. I'm seeing the words. So I was just trying to get it out. And then I said, okay, if I need to make this in a movie, then I'm going to pull Eddie Murphy and I'm going to play all five characters, including the love interest. Yeah. And at least I'll have this done. (laughs) But once I created the rough cut, the universe just started moving. It just con- like the movie, like in the book, The Alchemist. The universe conspired to help me. You started getting, I mean, the 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 big name talent that started coming in. Yeah, that that was impressive. I mean, I, 
It's like you, Johan Miles came, and you had JSU professor Johan to play that. So yeah. you, you didn't go for like a world famous guy, but I don't think there was anybody better who could have played the role. This is a story about getting Johans, uh, Tony Grant, because he's, I mean, he is like uber oh, yeah. talented. Oh man, the guy's incredible. He's an, he's an incredible talent. Yeah, Johans. <clears throat> Tony Grant wanted to play the role, and Tony Grant has more of a national appeal, but I yeah. told him no. I said no. Shirley Murdoch wanted to play different roles. I told him no. See, that's in, that takes incredible courage. I mean, or if stupidity. If you, well, no, I mean, no, seriously. If you wanted to be loved, you would have said yes. No. But that wasn't for the best thing. Well, I knew what my mission was. My mission is Mississippi. Right. You know, my mission is how do we cultivate the talent here? How do we give these people opportunities right. that they wouldn't have? And I realize if I'm being put in this position, then I have a responsibility to do that. Right. And that's what that's all I was trying to do. I was trying to give the people here the opportunity to lead. You know, I'm also proud that I had more women in leadership roles behind the camera than any production I think that has come through here. And I'm very proud of those things. How did you like sit there and wake up one day and go, <clears throat> oh, how do I do a movie? I mean, was it you were learning on the fly the whole time? It was um I don't call it a learning curve. I call it a learning free fall. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what it was. Yeah. So, but with that being said, this break, because it's, it's, it's going into almost three years doing soul damage. Yeah. Being able to go back and do this short film, being able to go back and do this play has been like the learning curve I needed to make the finishing touches on soul damage yeah. to make it successful. So yeah, it's, it was like, I, I tell everybody, I'm the, the Czech Congo of, um, uh, of filmmaking and Chad Congo is this MMA right, uh, fighter who uh, he got knocked out, knocked down three, four times in a round and they were getting ready to call a shot and he got one good shot and knocked the guy out. <laughs> so that's pretty much who I am. The play debuted Yazoo city yeah. March. Yeah. How did that feel sitting there in the audience, watching that all come to life? I know. Cause I know you'd probably seen the, you know, 5,000 times during rehearsals and everything mm -hmm. else, but just sit there and watch that. and realize. Well, I was actually backstage and, I was watching the audience. Yeah. And which is even cooler. It was like the most surreal thing I ever seen. Yeah. And we had like a 600 seat auditorium there in Yezu City and it was filled, it was sold out. People couldn't get in. And to see, <clears throat> uh, I think the most surreal thing was when the cast was being called and they called me out last and I walk out and you see the sea of people stand up yeah. and start clapping. That was crazy. That was crazy. And it just like, you know, I I still don't have words to express how I felt. Which could you know everybody in that audience could relate in some way. Well, you hope they did. Right. But you don't know until that happens. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um Yeah. You know, when you're sitting there and you're casting the movie, you're casting the the play and everything else, I mean that is a challenge. You're sitting because you have in your mind who you want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Mississippi first. Right. How big of a challenge was that? Well, it was it was a real challenge, you know, because the other things that you don't have, you have people who who accept the role and then for some reason they can't do it, and right. now you got to scramble and figure out how we're going to do this. Right. <laughs> so um, it's I tell people this to to be a filmmaker, there has to be something wrong with you. You have to be addicted to pain or something. You know, something is not quite right because it is an excruciating job, but. It's also one of the most satisfying jobs once it comes together. But you got to be able to manage all of it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like um, you got to learn how to catch darts coming at you at 19 different directions. Like and, a ninja. <laughs> yeah, like a ninja. Yeah, like a ninja. <laughs> but the other thing is you – I don't think – and I would love to write about this one day. You have to be a part control freak. Right. And then you have to also be able to allow – folk to the freedom to do what they want to yeah, do. Because you're, you're talking total left brain and right brain. Yeah. Which yeah. is not, I mean, not many people have that skill set. And I don't know if I have it, but it is. <laughs> you kind of had to have it, though. <laughs> but I was talking about organizational skills. Yeah. Because you obviously have them. Well, uh, I you got know, great you, people around me, You know too. you're supposed to be somewhere in about five minutes, right? Am I? No, no I'm okay. just kidding. No, okay. you're supposed to be right here. In five okay, minutes, okay. So. Right. And we're going to continue the conversation with, of course, author, motivational speaker, producer, all-around good guy, Maximus Wright. So stay tuned for more Now You're Talking here on MPB Think Radio.
can't stick around for the rest of the show, you can always catch up by logging on our website at mpbonline.org or use the MPB Public Media app on your mobile device. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. I'm Kevin Farrell, the host of Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Each week, Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College, joins me and answers questions about credit, investing, saving for retirement, and all things finance. Also, we invite you to call in and share your successes in navigating the personal finance challenges that we all face. Money Talks, Tuesday mornings at 9 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, on Cool Jazz Monday. It's great. Um, of course, if you're just joining us, we've been talking with Mississippi's own author, motivational speaker, producer, Maximus Wright. Maximus, you, you said to sound a little bit like Mr. Rogers. Yeah, the uh, piano player. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, that guy. <clears throat> He should get an Oscar. I used to watch Mr. Rogers just to hear his riffs at the end of it. I know. Listen and play. Yeah, he was incredible. I don't know who this guy was, but he was he was an incredible piano player. You know, I was talking with uh, David Sheffield, who used to write for Saturday Night Live and mm-hmm. wrote a lot of Eddie Murphy stuff. And, of course, he wrote Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. <laughs> and he said they tried to get Mr. Robert um, – Mr. Rogers on the show. Really? Yeah. And they were negotiations and everything else. And the whole, the whole script was that Mr. Rogers is going to come on there saying, can you say litigious? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like a lawsuit up on the whole thing. And I was like, if you'd have made that happen, that would have oh, been man. the greatest show the ever. Greatest iconic moment in Saturday Night Live. It'd be great. And now I guess they have a documentary <clears throat> out now. I'll, I'll go see it. I'm, I'm going to see it. I'm going to take my kids go see yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You know, you know, I was thinking about it. My kids never really had a Mr. Rogers Mm-mm. to grow up with. Mm-mm. Barney was it. Yeah. <laughs> Barney. <laughs> Twinkie Winky. And the, 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 there was, you know, it was my first one, my first kid, you know, watched Barney and all that. And mm-hmm. then my second kid came around. He was watching what my oldest son was watching because there was like three and a half years apart. Uh-huh. So he's like watching Scooby-Doo and, you know. But okay. I mean, so we missed out like Bob the Builder and all the good stuff. Really? Which I love Bob the Builder. By Did y'all get Dorian? Did y'all get Dorian Exploring? Yeah. You did get Dorian? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can sing the map song for you if you'd like. That's going <laughs> to no, be. No. Yeah. I don't want my ears to stop. Yeah, Brian Regan had was... a great rift on that. He said, you know, imagine sitting around the creative table saying, I got this song. And just there's like three words. Because once you get it in, you can't get it out your head. No, it's, it's definitely good. <laughs> it crawls in there like a worm. You know, you've. I mean, the one thing, you're, you're truly an entrepreneur, um, and I mean that in a good way. I mean, mm-hmm. truly, you, you're not afraid to try new things. Did you ever think you were going to get into doing video? No, I did not. Yeah. I did not. Um, and matter of fact, there was a friend, a childhood friend of mine who seven years before we started doing it, it was like, man, you know, you need to go and start filming your own stuff. I'm like, how in the world am I going to film? I can't do that. Right. I said, I don't know how to do it. He said, you ain't got to know. You just tell him what you see. And, you know, he pushed. His name is Larry Ingram. And he was always telling me, look, you can do this. And I'm like, nah. So now when he sees me, like, when am I getting my check? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here, here you go. <laughs> it's a dollar. Yeah, here you go. Uh, but, I mean, this thing, video's so hot now. Because you were ahead of the curve. Uh, I don't know, man. There were a lot of great folk before me, yeah. you know, that were doing things. I think uh, I've just fallen into a very interesting time. I, yeah. Um, and I maybe the reasons I'm doing it, I think, are making me stand out. What's next for you? Uh, the next thing that we're doing is that we have this great film called Mississippi Blues that we want to get produced in the fall. Yeah. Uh, I think blues by far is one of our greatest exports from the state of Mississippi. And uh, the reason that I want to do this is not only because I have some very cool people like Dexter Allen. Who oh, is, Dexter's the best. Oh, man. Yeah. Dexter is going to be a lead in this. And he kind of he, he got you directing one of Bobby Rush's yeah, videos. Yeah, yeah. He actually, Dexter is what he made me do this video. He's yeah. like, you can do it. Bobby's such a good guy. Oh, man. Bobby's great people. And yeah. hopefully we'll be able to get Bobby in to make a cameo. Oh, that means. But it's, it's not only dealing with race, but it's it's more... Also, on, on equally a good note for me is that it debunks all the myths about Mississippi. See, that's that you had a very good point about that earlier. And, you know, the problem about it, you said you butted heads even with the film office about this. We mm-hmm. need more people from here telling our story. No, I mean, when you think about people who wrote the narrative about Mississippi, when you think about Mississippi film, it's Mississippi burning, a time to kill, the help. Right. Those are the big three that you think about. But no one says anything about Cadillac records were filmed in Mississippi. Yeah. 
you know, no one talk about these other films. Like even when we start talking about the James Brown narrative, it's not to highlight Mississippi. Thyromile Hall, for God's sake, was Paris. Yes. But no one knows that that was here in Mississippi. Right. And the standard life building was New York City. Was New York City. So we're still not getting credit for that. We have a thing called film-induced tourism, which means that there's a billion people that travels based off the films and movies they see. Right. Who wants to come to Mississippi based off those three movies I just told you? If we start to tell our own narrative that we are culturally diverse, that we are creatives, that we are innovative, then, hey, that will also drive the, uh, the the visitors that come to the state and pick up our revenue. Just and, the way the blues drives everybody from Europe to come through the Delta. Come to the Delta. So yeah. why don't we be smart and create a film that focuses on marketing the highlights of Mississippi so people want to come here and, and visit and spend money? Right. So how are you going to convince the legislature? I'm not. You're not. I'm just going to do it. Just do it. See, exactly. <laughs> so not self-help, self-do. Self-do. Definitely yeah. on that. Um, so what's next? Well, lunch. Yeah, yeah, probably. (laughs) Go eat lunch. (laughs) Right. You're like me. I was like, oh, you know. So it's like, oh, that's great. Um, Of course, you've got a website and all that good stuff. People Mm -hmm. can get in touch with you. What's the best way to do that? Oh, man, you can find me on uh, social media, uh, Maximus Wright, Maximus.Wright at Yahoo.com, or, um, you know, we're on all the social media brands with Phoenix Rising Entertainment. Uh, we also have a screening of My Name of Lola, the short film, this Thursday. Nice. And, yeah. Where's that? It's going to be at the Mississippi Arts Center. Very good. At 7 p.m. So if you're not busy, please come by. All right. Yeah. So um, that I'm very excited about that so they can actually see this this short work come to life. And La- you, you can get that one person who wrote that bad one review, <laughs> get them straightened out. <laughs> right. They actually have read the book. I sent them the book. Oh, did you really? I sent them the book. And they actually liked it better than Soul Damage. Isn't it funny, though, how some people can read your work when you think it is incredibly obvious and mm-hmm. clear? and they completely misread it. Uh, and that's why texting is so dangerous. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. I want to thank our guest today, Mississippi's own author, motivational speaker, producer, entrepreneur, all-around good guy, Maximus Wright, for taking time to join us today. Now You're Talking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Think Radio is produced by the incredibly talented, wonderful, fantastic Michelle McAdoo. Hey, stay tuned for Southern Remedy and join us next week for more Now You're Talking with me, Marshall Ramsey, here on MPB Think Radio. Thank you.